Hello and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by Funkinsliff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfine, musicologist and author of Everything's on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at Funkinstuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify. As always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funkin' Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership keyboardist, singer, composer, Michael Moneystone Judkins, a court member of funk group, the ADC Band. Bursting on the radio in 1978 with the top 10 R&B P-Funk inspired hit, Long Stroke, ADC dropped five albums through 1982. Other standout tracks included Stank Machine, Talk that stuff. Hanging out. Brother yeah. Luck. Yeah, Roll with the punches. You funkula. Yeah. And you so good. Yeah. So good to me, baby. Right on. Yeah. Those superbly funk jams would be enough. But as we yeah, will yeah. discover, the ADC band story goes much deeper with roots oh, yeah, stemming yeah. back from a true Detroit music legend. Yeah. All right. Johnny so, Money yeah. Stone, what's going on? How are you? Man, I'm doing all right, man. I'm just uh, being out and about like a Boy Scout. You know, I'm on a hike through the Netherlands, getting into the Everlands. You feel me? <laughs> I feel you. <ya. laughs> yeah. Tell the people where you're coming to us from today. I'm coming to you from uh, Las Vegas, you know, the new capital of music. That's what we're going to make this. Me and Larry Blackman and Tiger. And some more our constituents is going to create this as the new mecca of music. Feel that, G. Get with me now. Outstanding. I used to go out there a lot. I used to, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, and so it was yeah. close. Now, you know, I don't get out there as often as I did. But uh, glad to yeah. hear you're throwing down the funk in Vegas. 
Got yeah, the Raiders man, coming good. to town. It's a whole new scene out there, right? Whole new scene, man. Everything is all new. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to persevere, you see, because we marching for the right to funk. You feel me? Absolutely. Yeah. So, like I was telling you before we came on, big fan since, you know, the long stroke happened. And uh, yeah. <laughs> glad to have you on and want yeah, to hear, man. you know, how it went down. So Yeah, man. Well, we started out as uh, another band. Actually, this is how it went down, man. I was uh, in a, a different band. I was a leader of another band called Soul for Black Nights. And I was doing nothing but original music. And I did a couple of cover songs, which I rearranged. You know what I'm saying? I was just getting into my musicianship. So this is how I got over on it, where nobody could call me wrong because I'm doing my own shit, so they don't know. You feel me? <laughs> so, so it was just everybody just conforming to funk. You know, only thing we had was Sly Stone, man. You know what I'm saying? And we had a little bit of Earth, Wind, and Fire. You dig, but cats like me and George, we was just creeping on up into the thing. You feel me? So like George landed, he landed first or something, whatever. However it be, but look, we took the Black Nasty Band, which Johnny May seen me performing at a record hop. Do you remember Lil Man? Yeah, but tell tell the people who 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 she was and who she. What Johnny she May was a big blues rhythm and blues star from the 50s and 60s and she did stuff with people like Mac Rice and uh, what is his name Johnny T all kinds of people man she was a big writer she wrote stuff for the Rolling Stones and all and she was the first black woman noted to have a record company especially mm -hmm. in the city of Detroit she gave the temptations to Barry Gordy I know about this because I was around. You see what I'm saying? This ain't no made-up shit. This is the real deal. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. So, And she always was into other artists and stuff. She had cats like, what was that guy named Timmy Shaw and some other people, man. She was the shit in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, man, uh, she seemed at a record hop, man. And she noticed I could do my own thing because she had never heard this music or whatever or them songs. And so she stopped me. And she asked, you know, who music that is? And stuff. my music, you feel me? She said, well, I need some songs for my son and them, which was the Black Nasty Band. And they was killers. They was doing, look, they was one of the first black rock and roll bands. You know, and they was mixing it up anyway. I came over and I presented what I had for him. I had an idea for a song and stuff. Boom. She liked it. We recorded it. The career started with them. I kind of eased up off of my band because I had recorded their brothers and stuff, a singing group who fired me because they said I was too churchy, right? <laughs> they everybody wanted to be the damn temptations. I had a, another idea. I come from a rock and roll background. You feel me? Were you self self taught? Yeah, yeah. On the keyboards, my grandmama showed me a chord. She used to play at church. You know what I'm saying? And she was a, a keyboard player at church. And my mama sung in the choir, and I had to be in the youth choir anyway. 
she showed me a chord one day and I just started making up songs from one chord. I made a song that only had one damn chord. The whole song <laughs> was the same chord over and over again. But it was a song, you feel me? <laughs> I got inspired from that, man. And I blew trumpet all the way through school from elementary to high school. Then I started getting into the keyboards, even though I got shown that, you know, and I wanted to play guitar. I thought I was Jimi Hendrix, but my fingers just didn't work right. So mm-hmm. I gave the guitar play to this young kid in their first band. His mama was giving him piano lessons. So I said, instead, let me play the piano and you play this guitar. And he was a natural named Snow, where his name was Curtis Hobson. We called him Snow Snow Fender. Yeah. You know, anyway, man. Things moved on from there. I recorded a song with Johnny May and them for the Black Nasty Band that went over great on uh, local radio there in Detroit. So she I know they, they, they put out one album on Stax, right? Right, one album on Stax. And I wrote some things on there and stuff. It was pretty good. Then we left Stax. And she, like I say, she had her own record company, so it was bus music, you know what I'm saying? And we did a song locally there that hit that I wrote and uh from there on I was like the lead the lead guy of the band in the group because the lead singer could not sing these songs I was writing he wanted to be Lou Rawls and I was me you know what I'm saying <laughs> and that shit just didn't work so she let me, you know, she put out, released them with me singing, and I ended up being in the band, too. Also, she, her daughter and I hooked up, you know. Uh, we, got a, we got a son there, you know. It, it was a good, it was a great combination of uh, talent, you know what I'm saying? So I could show these guys everything I was thinking, and, hell, they pulled it off. The about, ADC band was fucking on, man. About how old you were know? you when you uh, got with the ADC band? Let me think. How old was I? Had to be 20-something. Because I got out. Let me see. I got back from Canada. And I went to jail because, you know, they. Uh, I ran from the draft and shit, man. And they locked me up for like eight months. And Nixon gave us all amnesty, right? And I got out of that shit and went back to the music. So I must have been... 21 and no, uh, 22 or 23 yeah uh, so so anyway man I, that's what happened I was around that age and things started to progress and man and I was listening to everybody we had some fantastic groups in Detroit man that was hitting it that was killing they was mixing the funk or the idea with funk with the R&B things you know and it was just the time when bands started to stick out because they had people singing in the band you know what i'm saying beforehand it was either a singer or it was either an instrumental band you know this was that beginning of that what you call it uh, like self-contained bands self-contained man help me now help me i ain't had all my medicine man (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh, that's how it went man and I recorded about, I don't know, four or five songs before we did the long stroke. We did the long stroke. 
I did that, man. It was just a, a vamp in between the songs on our shows because we had got real popular doing live shows, man. We was all up and down the Chitlin Circuit. Plus, in Detroit, we did the biggest clubs, Henry's and Phelps and all that kind of shit, right? So it was something for me to keep the audience interested as we changed songs. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, bands back then, we didn't have... We'd do the inserts, you know, the excerpts and stuff, man, and, and then the song is over. And then, you know, we, a lot of us, we was young. We'd be questioning what the next song is and all that kind of shit. So to keep them, so I could keep them, con control of them, I started talking. I didn't know it was fucking rap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm talking shit to everybody to keep them interested. You know, and I said, give me this floor on the floor, that booch. Boom, 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 boom. Then I got on my keyboards and made that little walk. Doom, 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 You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the band just join in and follow this shit. Okay. Next thing I know, Johnny Mayton, they really like that shit. Let's go to the studio. <laughs> we went to the studio every week, man. You know, you can't imagine the music that never never got out that you guys missed that we just did. It's you gotta go back, man, and check out when you go to ADC, they're gonna go back even black nasty and all check out some of them songs that got different labels on it other than Atlantic and Cotillion. You feel me? You're gonna really hear some shit. I was way more advanced back then than I ever could have thought. I didn't even know I was in another spectrum doing funk. You know what I'm saying? I had another idea for funk. Even though I traveled down that thing seemingly like George. But if you realize at that time, 78, wasn't nobody rapping with no damn funk. Not even George. He was funking, but he wasn't rapping. I hit the knob with that. You know what I'm saying? Johnny may say, well, man, they really like that. Let's go cut. We need to do y'all a new album. Because we had a single out, uh, I think it was in the Moonlight or something like that. Uh, anyway. No, it was Stank Machine. That's what was out, was Stank Machine. And I played rhythm guitar on this joint, right? At that time, man, I was trying to play everything, you know what I mean? And that's how I created songs. I create songs right now, I play guitar. Or uh, I, I make a, I just sit on some drums and play some shit and go singing some shit and I end up with a song, you know. Anyway, uh, we recorded Long Stroke amongst some other hell of a songs that was on that album. We didn't get number that one hit on that album, though, you know. So we did that and uh, it went tops locally and then we serviced it through, I think, like Atlanta. And then we got it up to New York some kind of way. And uh, what's that jock's name? Frankie Crocker? Jack the Rapper. Jack the Jack Rapper, the Rapper. Man. Remember him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got hooked up. I don't know how. Jack the Rapper got hooked to the damn song. Bull Radio, New York. And boom, that shit went to, from there to Chicago, shit like that, man. And it bust wide open. And damn, we had like 20 companies on our ass calling and sending shit. <laughs> it was hell. I never had no such shit before in my life, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we chose Atlantic, uh, you know.
And uh, things moved on from there. Like you say, we had five albums with Atlantic Man, and we toured with every damn body. Yeah, know, let me, I met anybody else in the business, you know. Let me jump in, uh, Money Stone. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so when that track dropped, um, Longstroke, mm-hmm. I mean, people at first, I know, you know, people that I hanged out with and, and myself even thought maybe it was actually, you know, associated with P-Funk when it first came out because it sounded so much in that groove, so authentic yeah. that it was like, oh, yeah. God damn, is For that sure. is that a P-Funk joint, you know? Everybody thought we was P-Funk, man. You know what I'm saying? Which I truly appreciate. Thank you so much, P-Funk, for, you know, creating that avenue. You know what I'm saying? But we was on some other funk, like that mother funk. You know what I'm saying? And people funk do what and, funk do, baby. You feel me? I feel you. And people need to know that you're the one doing the rap on that. So, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I created the whole damn thing. The song, the way it went. Uh, you know, the performance of the instruments, I did the whole damn thing. You know, like I said, that was some shit I created to do in between songs, man. So it was my thing, my vamp, you know. But everybody else contributed by playing and doing what, you know, from the start, I was a producer and a writer, you feel me? More so than I was just an entertainer. Uh, the entertainment thing came because we had to keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? It hit. And it, it taught got, me a lot. I learned a lot of shit on the road, man, and I incorporated it in that song. That, you feel me? That's it's like my expression. That song hit number six on the charts. So, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And on that first album, which you were talking about, Money Stone. Yeah. Um, that one was a lot of P Funk influence, but elsewhere on that album, you know, I swear I heard some Sly influence. And some funkadelic influence. Um, you see what I'm saying? I told you, man, I was all over the board, man. I was, you know, I was into me. So everybody influenced me. So I made, I created songs that had the, uh, how can I say, had the, the movement of other influences. But they were still like, you know, Money Stone and the ADC band. Like I said, the ADC band and the clan. We had the master plan, man. You know what I'm saying? So after after that hit like it did, what do you remember about going out on some of those tours with some of the other funk groups? Man, it was all fantastic. All the people, man. We went out with everybody. You know, like Mother's Finest. And, let me see. Fucking, man, Cameo. I'm with Cameo Nation right now, man. You feel me? And uh, we was out, man, we were everybody, man, everybody. When I say everybody, I'm talking about everybody at that time, man. You know what I'm saying? We uh, opened, uh, what was that, Saginaw? Yeah, we did. We didn't open, but we was like the second or third act on this big thing for Coach for Kids with Headline and Earth, Wind and Fire, right? P-Funk, George Clinton P-Funk, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Rick James was on there, us. Uh, the emotions, it was a whole, it was like 11 damn acts, man. You feel me? It was hot. And it was super, man. And we went out with everybody. Well, we was on tours with everybody. We crossed Shaka Khan. We was Frankie Beverly. Uh, shit, man, you name it. We Slave. We was opening or second out. Huh? Slave. Slave. 
Yeah, man, all that shit. We was out there with everybody, man. And that's how I met everybody, man. Gap band, me and Charlie Wilson, like, you know, for 50 years. We like this, you know what I'm saying, man? Yeah, we all missed yeah, those tours in those days. <laughs> I sure missed them tours, man. We was funking like, like no tomorrow, man. You know, and at that time, even so today, it's like a state of musicological warfare, you know? So we had to keep on fighting, you feel me? And we put that shit down like that. Especially, you ever catch some of them live shows, man? Oh. Yeah, we nailed that shit to the wall. We was carpenters on there. We beat that shit to the wall, G. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Money, let's talk about the next album, Talk That Stuff, because to me, although you didn't have a hit as big as Longstroke, from end to right. end, I think it's a stronger album. It was a stronger album, for sure. Uh, that particular album, see... Long Stroke album, they did, you know how companies do, man. They get your shit and they remix it and all that shit, you know. And it's their, their product, period, actually. On uh, Talk That Stuff, we had a little more leg room. They let me, they allowed me to help on the mixing and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? So it came out fatter, much fatter, as you know. It was like, it, matter of fact, it was one of the better albums, if you ask me. That second one, talk that stuff, man. Yeah, I the, did. I wrote the, the horns, horns are a lot punchier, stuff. too. Yeah, I, I was just saying, I wrote the horns and shit, man. You know what I'm saying? I did all the horn parts and shit, man. I had different horn players, uh, you know, the ADC band horn section. But I I came up with all the horn <laughs> shit and the patterns, man. And I had help from the bass player and from Snow. You know, and from uh, Kubla Khan, the drummer, you know what I'm saying? So we all came up with that thing, man. And it was just so much better. I wish the company had got a little more behind us on that one. But they didn't. You know how companies do. More I'm, I'd be wondering how in the hell we got five LPs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> on that record, Money, I hear like um, other influences too, like Fatback and BT Express and... Just, you know, a lot oh, of different yeah. types of vibes going through it, but it's, you know, all all rocking and funkin' throughout. Yeah, and you know, the album after that, what was that? Renaissance. What album? Who? Renaissance. Renaissance. Okay. We were definitely influenced by uh, Fatback with Curtis and them, man, and... and, and uh, Slay, we were all interchanging music together, you know what I'm saying? Like they call it, uh, we were all co-doing co things together, you know? How do, what, what do we say today, what, what we do now? Collaborating, we were all collaborating, okay? Uh, we had Ed Ellaby, who was, uh, was he, he had Slave, I think? No, he had, wasn't Brass Construction. He had this other band, big band. I can't remember any damn name. They had, uh, had a big hit. Anyway, we are all at the Atlantic with, uh, cooperate with each other. You know what I'm saying? With ideas and shit and influences. Well, we had, they took a lot of my influences on some of their albums and shit like that. Like, you know, we was collaborating, you feel me? 
Yep. Some some parts like it ever be uh, produced some of them things on there. As a matter of fact, yeah, I see him yeah. on on the credits here. But uh, that third record produced by Mass Production. Mass Production. That's what I was trying to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did some stuff with on them and shit like that. You know, it was great. They had some good stuff, man. And that's another thing we showed we showed our ass on stuff because. You, I don't care who you were, you can come in and we can do whatever the hell you wanted. You know what I'm saying? We get something good up out of it. So I have to appreciate everyone involved. It was a great adventure. You know what I mean? I really like uh, Hanging Out is a jam on that one. Hanging Out. Now, that that's my song. Okay, I, that wasn't produced. I mean, it was produced by them, but that's my shit. I arranged the whole damn thing. As you notice, it started with the keyboards, organ, and all that shit. You feel me? The doom, 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 right? The doom, doom, zoom, doom, 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 That's all my shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, they produced the hell out of it. I have to give them hell of a credit, man. Them guys had great ears, man, especially for producing and mixing, man. They, that shit was tight, man, you know. And I had another collab on. Wasn't so good on that album, too? So good? Yeah, what album was so good on? No, that was on the last one. That was with the Fatback guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, we, we, ADC band, well, actually, Kubla Khan and Purvis and myself, we came up with so good. Because, you know, the talk box had just come out, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, he and I, Purvis and I both did. I did some talk box shit on the keyboards, and it was off of the Odyssey. That's what you had to do the fucking talk box with. And he did it with the guitar. Oh, so good, you know. It came out really great. We was experimenting shit, man. You know. You, you jumped ahead, but that's definitely one of my favorites. I mean, so good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so good is out of this world, man. It's a song I'll never forget because we really we put something in there. And it was at a time when Roger was hitting too, you know, with the voice box. So. Right. Roger had just hit the scene. Yep. No problem. Huh? Yeah, with that talk box. Yeah, that talk box. Yeah. And we, so me and uh, Purvis, we did that song. Me, Purvis, and Kuda Khan, the drummer. Actually, he came up with that groove, and we stuck so good to it. Because that's what we were saying, that the groove was so good. You know? <laughs> it's... it's that it, You know, roll <laughs> with the, you jumped ahead to Roll the Punches, which was the last ADC record. And I think it's like right up there as one of the best, you know? I mean, that record, besides So Good, that title yeah. track, Roll With The Punches, and Euphunkula, yeah. I mean, those kick ass. Yeah, Euphunkula, man, I created that. Right after we left New York, I created that damn song that came to me, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's, that's one of my own. I didn't have no influence from anybody on that particular song, you know? I just, one of my head jobs, you dig? And it, it came out great. It was real different, too, you know? But, yeah, all that shit was great, man. 
Roll of the, then, Roll of the Punches was kind of like a long stroke sequel. Yeah, it was really, but it was better. It was tighter. It had greater meaning too. You know, I actually was talking about something at that time. It was some kind of movement going on too at that time. I forgot what the hell was happening, and uh, it kind of gave that inspired me to write that kind of song. You know what I'm saying? You even say your, you say your name on it too, so we know who you are. Huh? You even you say your name on it, so we know it's you. Yeah, you say right. <laughs> so you know it's me. That's right, baby. I have to, you know, give give accountable things for money stone. Don't y'all <laughs> never forget that. But yeah, yeah. I need y'all to drop your socks and let the funkers be among us. Yeah, baby. Yeah, then, like, you know, I moved on, man, from the ADC band. Uh, how can I say? Things uh, kind of started to falling apart after five albums, and we realized the company was, you know, using us for tax purposes or some shit. You know what I'm saying? We like, we needed to make a move. You feel me? And we went. Uh, I forgot that guy's name. It wasn't none of Dallas, but it's. Uh, a dude out of, uh, where was that, Austin, Texas. I forgot this cat's name. He was a big producer, a record company owner. Anyway, we went down there and we did a, a album with this cat that didn't, what's his name, Alan Bolden or some shit like that? Anyway, it didn't work. So I went to California, man. And uh, I was out there by myself, you know. I did some things with Charlie Wilson. He produced my, uh, I had a solo thing I did, you know what I'm saying? And he produced that uh, for Ch Charles Smith, C.W. Smith, which used to be uh, their personal manager, Gaffman, anyway. Me and Charlie. Was About what year was that? Work. That was 83, man. And you can go online to get the song. Uh, it's called Sexulation by Money Stone. Produced by Charlie Wilson for uh, Charles Smith. I forgot. I think it was Charles Smith Records or C C W Smith Records or C W Records, whatever. It's online though, man. And some bitch got fifty nine dollars for the damn single. Ain't that something, man? <laughs> I'd be glad if y'all going out there buy because I need some money. You should you should stashed a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I need to match my name, man. Shit, don't let me fall, y'all. Pick me up. <laughs> so anyway, I did that shit, man. And uh, I, I hung out with Ike Turner. I was Ike's uh, band uh, director for a few, uh, almost in three years I was there, man. I was kicking it with Ike. And uh, kicking it with everybody, man. Oh, man, that was a hell of a time, that L.A. scene. You know what I'm saying? I ran across everybody. I was doing all kinds of shit, and I was doing studio work and shit. I was trying to get my solo shit together, and uh, I was trying to deal with Arista, and I wouldn't get no action, and uh, I could never get Clive Davis. Clive Davis and Johnny May was like that, man, you know? So I couldn't get, anyway, I couldn't get my solo thing off the ground like then, so I started plugging in with other bands and different stuff, a lot of different cats. And I finally I left there, man, and I went on back home. And uh, I released some songs. I had my own little poop up record company. 
future electric, which I also had before I even started any of this. And I wrote songs for the dramatics, never released, but I did stuff for the dramatics, man. Uh, a number of artists, especially there in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Myself and this cat, Jerome Shell, we had a record company. Uh, a group called the Steptones, too. Check them out. That music on them was way ahead of its time. But there was like the Temptations, right? But we did music like like I'm saying, like the way I felt. I did my own thing. I was just really getting together on the keyboards. I was really getting super creative with that. That was actually started before ADC Band and continued after. You know what I'm saying? Who, so anyway, who, who inspired you on uh, keyboard, uh, Money Stone? What started me? No, who inspired you? What players? Oh, man, when I started playing keyboards, I was inspired by cats like Chick Corea and shit, Herbie Hancock and shit, you know, George Dukes, because they were so experimental, man, and they crossed them boundaries. Now, I also was inspired, like, with Little Richards. I love, you know, that, that playing, uh, stride piano and shit, you know what I'm saying? Because I grew, when I grew up, man, it was a lot of that in my neighborhood in Detroit. We lived, I lived in a neighborhood called the Black Bottom. And so it was a lot of hunky-tonk joints and pig, blind pigs, you feel me? And they would have little three-man quartets and shit like that. Piano player, upright bass, and a drum player with nothing but the snare and the fucking foot pedal, you know what I'm saying? And one cymbal. And sometimes a sock cymbal, most times none. So I've got my shit, you know, and the piano players be kicking it, man. You know, uh... Damn, what was his name? Little Johnny, uh, oh man, I can't remember some of these cats' names. If I said some of them, I've seen them. Fats Domino even, man. Johnny I was living across from Fats Domino, man. And I used to go over there and sit on his porch while he'd be in there playing sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I was singing with a group at Motown called The Monitors. And they had a record out called Greetings Uncle Sam. That was about the war and shit, you know. Anyway. I got influences from a whole lot of people. Eddie, listen, Eddie Hazel was not a keyboard player, he was a guitar player, right? Mm -hmm. I knew Eddie before it was a goddamn funky duck. You dig what I'm saying? We had a little poop butt band, you know, with this cat, Skeet Curry, Detroit, up on Mack Avenue. And Martha Reeves' brother, Victor Reeves, was the drummer. Skeet played guitar, Eddie Hazel played guitar. And we had a guy, uh, something green. His name was something green. I can't remember his, his first name. Ed Green or something like that. He played V3 organ. And I was a singer. I was dipping with keyboards, but I couldn't really play, you know, like they could. You know what I'm saying? And I was singing. And like I said, I came from rock and roll and shit, so I could, ah, I could do all that screaming and shit, you know, plus I could sing. You know what I mean? So we had a little band, man. We used to go to this joint, and the editing them kept going. Called the Soul Expression on uh, Grand River in Detroit, man. That's where George picked Eddie Hazel and Funkadelic up from when Tiki Fullwood came to Detroit, man. Well, wow, that's some serious history right Billy there. Bass. Yeah, and Billy Bass was playing bass and shit, and Eddie and them had a band. It wasn't a fucking Funkadelic. It was just whatever they called it. I forgot what they called themselves. But George just come down and people out everybody, you dig? Like everybody was doing this acid thing. 
So we was crossing over, you know, and it was the hippies and shit, the free love and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? So it was Israel in a new era, man. I seen cats like, uh, what's them boys' name? Kiss on the fucking waterfront, the Renaissance waterfront, Detroit. Before they ever blow, blew up or anything, the, the lead singer had on a clown suit. The rest of them was natural. Hmm. And we drank wine and smoked weed and dropped acid back then. You feel hmm. me? And that's how that shit, that's where funk kind of came from, man. All the cats that even touched funk. Now, I'm talking about out of the Sly era. That's really kind of where funk was. It changed when James Brown got with Boosie. They created, helped to me, like, they created the one, man. Like, you always hear George talking about keeping on the fucking one. Well, James Brown, to me, created the one. And it's repetitious. You know what I'm saying? Boom, gotcha, boom, gotcha, boom, gotcha, boom, gotcha, boom. You know, that's what kicked. That's that's that ass moving new movement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Any drummer play that. Even in rock, I don't care in gospel, whatever. When they play that stump thing, it make you move. So Funksters took it and started doing syncopation, which I grasped from Slash Stone. I stole a lot of shit from different people, which created the real money stone. You feel me?